Sorry, is there a dog barking situation that's happening right now that you can hear? Yes, it's not here. Yeah. It's right. clearly over it's by It's not my you. neighbor. I'm just wondering if you can hear it. You, yes, we can We can hear it. Last week it was the I'm crows. Saying. This right. week it's the dogs. You just have carry Well, we've had dogs reference there. being... The, the trollocs are coming right. at them. That's really what it is. <laughs> run. Run now. No, I'm good. Head for the quarry here. road. Get your sword out and be prepared. Get right. underground. All right, welcome to the Jack of the Shadows podcast. This is Eric Van Conant along with David and Adam Van Conant, and uh, we welcome you in here. This is the second episode, or the third. Maybe Uh, give me a shot. So we are doing chapters 7 through 12. We're going to start off here by just really, really quickly running through each chapter and, and kind of what happens, and then we'll get into, you know, our general conversation about the different characters and, and what's going on. So chapter seven, Out of the Woods. Rand arrives in the two rivers to discover the town has been attacked. Rand and Tam. And, uh, and, and, uh, and incapacitated Tam. Nynaeve refuses to help them in her pragmatic way. The dragon's fang is scrawled on the inn door as Rand approaches the door and asks Bran for some assistance. And then, in a very subtle way, Tom suggests that Brand suggests to Rand that he go and visit Moiraine and Lan for some help. So he goes and brings Moiraine back to the inn and gets her to heal Tam. Moiraine asks about Rand's dreams. Moiraine agrees to see Tam and makes some sort of veiled comment about good fortune that Rand is alive. Or someone's alive, for that matter. So chapter 8, A Place of Safety. Rand gets Moiraine to the inn, actually. Lan remarks on Tam's sword. Rand mentions the Black Rider to Lan. Moiraine mentions the Ravens. version of safety. <laughs> it's a safe space, Adam. Moiraine mentions the Raven being a warning and heals <laughs> Tam and cleanses the taint from him. Tells Rand oh. he has to leave. And Lan describes that the Trollocs targeted his and Perrin's farms and Matt's house, as well as where Perrin works at the forge. Uh, at yeah. which point, Moraine tells Rand the Trollocs were after he and his friends. And now the story kind of really takes off. Moraine suggests they have to leave for Tar Valen that evening. And Rand eventually dozes off in his room. And his father gets healed. Yeah, he specifically chooses to stay in the same room as his dad because he loves his papa. They eat some good food also. Oh, and they discover that Pot and Fane is missing. Right, and they presume he's been eaten by the Trollocs. Chapter 9, Tellings of the Wheel starts with the crazy dream. And then a conversation between Rand and Tam is quickly interrupted by Lan. By the way, there are a lot of names here with the the name A in it. Bran, Rand, Tam. Then you've got Egwene and Moiraine. My gosh. So Rand has to leave now and heads out to the front of the inn where Moiraine is faced by an angry mob and narrates the story of Menetherin. And that wraps up tellings. Yeah, and Rand has his conversation with his his dad also. Before he has to leave, right. Chapter 10 is leave-taking. Matt, Lan, and Moiraine meet Perrin in the barn. Egwene sticks her head in. Tom pops up from the hayloft. Egwene rides Bella, and they're off. And the chapter ends with the screeching of the Drakkar. Not the screeching of the eels. 
that's <laughs> a different <laughs> a different book entirely. Or or the spritzing of the Drakkar. None sound? of those none of those things are true for the end of this chapter. Which takes us to chapter 11, the road to Terran Ferry. So they race along the Terran Ferry Road with Rand in the rear. Bella runs as hard as she can, and Rand worries about Egwene's safety. They pause at Watch Hill for some healing. The Dakar sends their horses in numerous directions, but they're able to gather them and take off once more in a knot instead of a single file line. Moraine raises a mist to hide them from the Dracar. They arrive at Terran Ferry, and Lan awakens Master Hightower. I bet he's never seen a Hightower. Hightower was that Matt who complains that? Either Matt or Perrin. Across the Terran is the final chapter that we end on. They imagine this. They head across the Terran Hmm. on the ferry with uh, with Hightower and and his boys. And his band of merry men. The whirlpool destroys (laughs) the ferry. They hide in a cave and boom, boom, boom. Moraine starts teaching Egwene about the one power, and Egwene apparently has some type of extremely rare ability, uh, innate ability to touch the one power. And we uh, end there with, with Rand terrified of what his future wife is about to become. Those are the Question. six chapters. We actually end Go with ahead. a map. Is that the end or is that the beginning of it, the next d- chapter? One never knows. You, you can't really, I think you can't that's really for say the next it's, it's in between. <laughs> it is a map of areas unknown. We're first going to kick off with a little game of who am I here. I'm going to read you a little riddle, and you two are going to try who to figure out. You're going to try to figure right. You, you're Jean Valjean. Let, let's hope uh, not. You're going to try to figure out who this is. Here's and my. You two listeners can try to figure. Here's out my who poorly this is. written riddle. Here we go. Um, I chill in wow. my castle with a gut and a maul. Draw me no teeth of large serpents, or I'll torch you all. Who with a, am with, I? With a gut and a what? Maul. Hmm. Who, so we're okay. trying to guess who this is. Some of these could be metaphors. So we've we're trying only, to guess who this person only is. only so many characters right. to choose from. This could be a person, place, or thing. I'm going Con- with... I'm concerned more about the castle. I'm going with Bran. Bran Alvere. Bing! It is Bran Alvere. There we go. Who else has a maul in this? Bran has a maul. The Weapon. angry mob is outside of his inn. He comes out with his maul, which he uses for pounding the uh, the tent stakes for Beltine. Um, I just actually thought of the I fattest like person Bran I could Alvier. think of, and that was Bran Elvier, So he he also is probably the largest person in Emma's field. He's portly. I love the way that he handles well, the crowd, though, that is trying to <laughs> burn Moiraine outside the inn because he casually oh, comes geez. up with this giant wooden mallet and wonders out loud whether or not they're threatening to burn down his inn. He's like, did someone mention burning my inn? Right. I, I, would, have, I would have rather he, he started pounding heads with that about it. The most casual about it. Well, he doesn't need to because they Perrin's, take his hint. The most casual about it is uh, Perrin's master, Luhan? master, or whatever you call it, master, yeah. Luhan, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he just, just casually wanders All up and flexes his, his, right. his guns. Well, he's not big because he's fat. He's big because he's jacked. It's not yeah, sure, but he didn't even say anything. All he, he doesn't was, need to. He's enormous. He's the mountain. He just shifts his bulk. All I'm saying is that's awesome. Absolutely. So he, he kind of asks, you know, which three, way, okay. which way three the cheers is. for Bran Alvere, another name that has an A in it. May we see you again at some point, even though we've left. I uh, want to drink his the, tasty beverages. The Emmons Field, right? Well, he's got oh, all the brandy okay. and the scotch. And eat and all his that wife's. Stuff. What is it? That not the tasty cakes. What does she make? The 
the pies or something. I think she does right. everything right, though. Uh, she I, just does it right. I want to have some. She's of that. like, oh wait, is your food cooling down? Guess what? Here's another hot plate. <laughs> exactly. Yes, she takes care of everyone. What do they do with that other food, though? I don't think there's a big homeless problem in that no, field. No, I, I mean it's funny because well, they are short of food. So from from the from winter brand size, I think that's where the extra food the, is going. The winter hasn't been kind, but apparently the inn, which by the way doesn't actually get any visitors, <laughs> the winter is remarkably mild. Oh, sorry. Here's the rest of the food. Apparently, right? It. Apparently, the inn is well stocked. So, uh, so now it's time to uh, to do a little. You don't know me. We're going to talk about some of the characters that we've learned some stuff about. So I think I heard people excited about the uh, Drakkar. We don't. You, you heard some people. There's there's three yes. of us in this <laughs> podcast. All right, the so. two of you. Used, <laughs> you used to. You people. We don't really learn much about the Drakkar, except for the fact that he's the size of a man and has bat wings and screams. He sees already, that thing pass by the moon. You know what okay. I picture when I, when, I, they... when I see the Drakkar passing the moon? And this is yet another reference that I used last yeah. week. I picture in the never-ending story when, in the beginning, when the hobgoblin was riding that bat, and it, like you, you see oh. it like fly across the sky. Uh, that's that's yeah. what I imagine. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> the night hob, the night that's hob totally is flying true. on the... Yes. <laughs> that's totally what I picture. Yes, no, that's totally eye. true. It reminds yeah. me of uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Or, or, or in Batman. The first one, the where the bat. the his bat thing that he flies and goes up into the sky and it flies oh, in front of him. Oh, the bat wing. Just the bat wing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where does he get such toys? Exactly. You do Wait find out more about Wait also. Like he flies You're by not... and like freaks him out with their wings beating in and like. Not only that, we hear about a fade. So this thing is mentioned by like five different names. There's this thing that's described that Rand saw on the road with his dad. Right. Yes. And all these boys saw, and then it's actually described what it is, which is a fade, which is a horrifying murdral. We'll get into this more down the road, but at all these different dialects or all these different areas, they all have different names for what they call these things. And you'll notice that the people of Edmonds Field, their terms for things are much more English much more common words that they've uh, Eric is calling adopted the English to term. more exotic creatures. Like, you know, they use the word fade instead of murdral, which sure. is a much more exotic word. That's the Drakkar and the murdral. We learn a little bit more about the Trollocs here also. In these six chapters, we learn yeah. that their swords are poisoned. And in oh, chapter... Because yeah. the swords are made and the... Thakandar. The Thakandar. What, what a great name. Is that? We learned that we learned those, in these those six chapters too. There. That is the mountain. That's like the calling. It, it's a it's a place within the mountain, but we haven't really. But it's it's somewhere near where the okay. dark one is like located. Right? Yeah. It's like it's a, obviously a bad place because <laughs> yeah. these things are so, not good, and they're poisoning poor Tam with a simple scratch. Yeah. Chapter ten, we okay. learn that wolves and dogs don't like Trollocs. I think that fills out our Trollic compendium for the week. And I mentioned... Dave just the, sounded um, like San there. <laughs> Very funny. I was joking about the drag car smelling. These Trollocs do. I mean, they, oh, can you yeah. just imagine? So they're burning them and they stink. But oh, just, yeah. you got, you got. I mean, yeah. death obviously smells in general. These people are much tougher than me. I would they have been like... like swamp <laughs> yeah. Well, then they also, they're talking about having the vinegar on the... 
on the cloths masks. on the yeah. masks so they yeah. didn't smell it. So yeah. maybe I'm not yeah. as much yeah. of a wuss as I think they am. I am. They were <laughs> also more conscious of it too. But I just imagine these things are just Absolutely. and they're huge and they're gross and they just uh yeah. yeah, they're giant. They're like eight feet tall. Yeah, yeah. I know. With snouts. I and love horns just, yeah, the snouts. Hairy the description arms of just having a snout. Up. It looks, yeah, and then just hair and, and strength. The, like, oh. Um, the ran just killed one. And there yeah. are a lot of them that came to Emmons Field. Like, that's the yeah. other thing. They were coming to get, apparently, two or, or three people, but they talk about a fist of them which apparently is made up of a bunch of different tribes <laughs> of some kind. So there are, I, mm, you know, like, land talks about there that. are hundreds that attack the village. And, and after the attack, Ma, Ma Rain thinks that there are still a bunch more out there. So they didn't even get attacked by the full yeah. force, apparently. And, yeah, and which, land, where are these things hiding, like by the way? Not only that, Land's talking <laughs> yeah, about, no. like, there's different... There's different types of, or not, or tri- tribes, tribes, of tribe, different tribes, different tribes yeah. of Trollocs, and there's like, yeah. so these guys oh, are not, like yeah. you said, they're they're all they're out and about, but apparently they're an organized within, you know, some way. There's some, some sort of, of some sort of organization to yeah. that. Um, for so for as unintelligent as they are, they are still held together by something. Let's talk a little bit about Tom because Tom kind of disappears from <laughs> from things for a while and then pops up in the hayloft. He's clearly uncomfortable around Moraine. Yep. He, is, he does yeah. not want to be around And her. we learn in Chapter 12 that he has some kind of problem with the Red Aja also. Right. Whatever that is. He, d- he obviously does not like Aes Sedai. No. And him finding out that she was one or maybe he suspected... You know, when he first met her, we, he don't, had known. we don't really know. They don't. He doesn't really say. Nope. He dips out. He dips out right away. He makes yeah. it clear what from the get go that he does uh, not. He doesn't like want her. to be around her, and, yeah, and yet yeah. he's willing. To, he's willing to hitch his wagon to her trail and hightail it out well, of Emmons Field. The, the well, more interesting. What it, so in, in talking with Tom about Moraine, he is the one that you know, as we indicated earlier when you were doing the chapter synopsis, was very reluctant to bring up that Moraine might be the one, the only one that could help Tam at that point. And so he's kind of, he doesn't want, he doesn't want to be the one, he flat out does not want to be the one to suggest it because as indicated when he talks to Rand about it, you know, there's a a price attached to it and he doesn't want to be responsible in any way for shape or form for what that price mean be that Rand has to pay to have Tam healed. We don't know. So, there's obviously there's something there. There's something that we don't know. And I also think that I think that he would rather the suggestion come from somebody in the town rather than a foreigner suggesting well, that maybe he go to some, Maybe it could be anybody. Someone someone else to be blamed other than him. Right. I think he he realizes that the that these people are also terrified of whatever the Aes Sedai are. Yeah. Which and, is again amazing well, to me. And it's well, amazing to me. It's 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 the she kicked all sorts of butt the night before. She saved their skin. I don't know. She saved the town. Where do we, where do we sidestep into that? And yet they're, they're all like, oh, don't, yeah, I, I don't want to have anything to do with her. She's a bad oh, one. Yeah. I, I don't the trust Coplin. my Sedai. They're, they're terrible. Coplin. Yeah, I mean, they're all, they all of a sudden, all of them turned well, into Coplins. Well, and our great friend, our great friend, Senbui. Senbui. He's hopping the roof and he's screaming at them. 
it's just crazy how oh, yeah. literally they would not exist. They would all be dead without those two. But don't go to them for help, whatever you do. I mean, we all just well, took yeah. their help last night. But don't go to them for help to heal this guy because, you know, that would be that'd be terrible. We don't get a whole lot from Matt and Tom here. Or, I'm sorry, Matt and Perrin. No. Uh, Matt joins no, Rand Perrin. on the landing outside of Tam's room. And then Perrin comes in in the barn. But Egwene... Perrin's got a sweet axe, though. He does. He has. He has a giant axe. Which everyone kind of gives him grief He's got about. A sweet axe. I don't right. know. Everyone gives He's everyone a grief dude. about their own about everyone else having a weapon when everyone has one. Well, yeah, Matt but Matt is oh, the one who has the local weapon, that, which is interesting. Yeah. You've got three guys from the same town, and the only one who's actually bringing the weapon that all those guys know how to use is Matt. Yeah. The other two are using things that yeah. are foreign to the location, even though Perrin's been practicing with his axe. Yeah, um, they said he was practicing. Now I wonder what he's been practicing. Like he's, he's right, exactly. It's like he's been shadow boxing up, with an axe. Like we all grow up as boys and we're all dancing around with our swords and our whatevers, and we don't really know what we're doing. So I wonder if that's what he was doing, just kind of prancing about, Lord yeah. Fauntleroying it up with his yeah. axe. And so he's in the I'm barn. Imagining it's more like flash dance. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big montage. There. <laughs> That would be a feeling. Except instead of Flashdance, they're, they're playing the Karate Kid song in the background. Oh You're gosh. the best around! Sure. Was, that would There's even no be cooler no if he had a bandana that. on. They're in the barn, and Egwene foists herself upon them because, like Matt, she wants to get the heck out of Dodge. She's pretty observant, too. Well, she I, is. She's like a well, little Sherlock Holmes. Moraine is like, what's up? Wait, well, how did you notice this? And Moraine is the one that's perfectly fine, and everybody else is like, that stupid girl, get her out of here. We don't need a girl. Yeah. Part of what Moraine is trying to determine, though, is to make sure nobody else could have drawn the same conclusions she did and that they're going to have another couple of heads popping in okay, at any moment. side note here, though. At the end of the 12th chapter, we understand that Moraine knew that she was had the ability to be an Aes Sedai. Right. So yeah. why in the world would she not want her to be going along with them? Yeah, I it, mean, is, it could be all it, part of her master. She plan. didn't invite her. She I mean, we don't she, know it at the time. So she didn't. Definitely. Awesome, she didn't invite her. She did not intentionally. Sure. So she's willing for her to come along for reasons that we see in these six chapters, but she wasn't invited. So when she's asking her how she figured it out, she wants to make Pretty sure impressive. no one else is going to join them. There's some other good sleuthing that goes on here, too. Like when Rand arrives at the town, he's able to conclude by the fact that things are burnt down that this must be where the Trollocs started and that they came up the road and attacked his house. It's because that Rand's a smart one. He is. Lan ultimately has to tell him, deduce this for yourself. Who got attacked? It's going to be the people that are the same age as him. And then he still doesn't believe it because there's some other Yeah, he questions, he to, he, he questions Bran about it. To see, you know, who was Brand that he's talking. Yep. He questions Brand to double check the information that Land gives him. He's verifying. Mm -hmm. So he finds that out to make sure he's not being manipulated by those horrible Aes Sedai. Yeah. Then they're like, "No, we actually told you that it's people within a certain amount of time that you were born, which happens to be like what days, several weeks, days days or weeks. weeks. That's it, not months, because that one kid was months, months, a couple of months outside, and was like, "No, silly boy, yeah, (laughs) you dummy." Those those tricks aren't for you. Something else interesting that Egwene sort of illuminates is the male-female relationship in these books so far. 
There is a definite sense of the women in these books fighting for their own and not wanting to be seen as subservient to the men. Rand, no, I, I disagree with that. Rand offers to protect Egwene, and Egwene's immediate response is, well, maybe I'll protect you. I don't think anyone does seem that way because all the men no, are I like, those women, they're feisty, man. Look out. You right. know? And, but the interesting thing is we haven't really had a female narrative to see what the women are thinking about the men. Well, we uh, know there's a women's council. Yes, you have. There's um, been talk about this as women. No, no, no. What I mean is like he, we, we hear that we hear Rand in his thoughts about Egwene or, or you know, what he's right. thinking about, you know, and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I, I'm curious, you know, to see if we go on with the story how that'll play out, how the female characters oh, sure. will be viewing the men. I what mean, I feel like is we, Rand doesn't have any clue what to do. Well, he's like a typical ladies. 16, 17-year-old kid <laughs> around a girl, and he's like, oh, I'm just happy to be talking yeah. to a girl. I don't know what's going on here. He also yeah, exactly. is incredibly loyal to the people that he loves. Yep. His father oh, yeah. and Egwene, he wants, he wants to keep them both safe. And he approaches Egwene in a oh, you yeah. know in a traditional male female way, and he he views himself as the protector, and she just doesn't buy like into that. They have like a maid. Yeah, right. they do. Yeah, right. So so they do subscribe to not this bell time. Some, it was disaster. But uh, it was traditional behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then <laughs> speaking of that, so Adam brings that up. I love how. The people from the other town come in and they're all like all ticked <laughs> off that they're not, <laughs> yeah, not going to have the celebration. Yeah. There's no town Whoa. left what standing is to speak right? of. The maypoles burnt in half, but you know, <laughs> come on, just put another one up. We're hey, have a grand we're old ready time. to party. Which they would have been as well. Right. Fireworks. And they, well, they, they didn't. They, didn't the get game, a they, they mentioned also that Tom disappears. <laughs> like no one knows where well, he is during the fighting. Land mentions that Except specifically. For his burned cloak. Right, and that's the defense of him. So Adam, it's last week you that picked up the point. Well, no, his 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 uh, cloak, cloak is burned, and that's that's a sad thing, Adam, because last week he was the best dressed, and he might not be this week. <laughs> he's, he's the most singed. His cloak Ooh. is not so not well, we'll so fabulous as it was. Yeah, that's a tough one. Egwene's end of these six chapters is pretty crazy. And obviously, she has a really big end to this where she discovers that whatever this crazy power is, that the entire town that she grew up in is terrified of and therefore hates the women who can wield it, she has it. And she's perfectly fine with it. And she's excited about it. Yeah, and she is, right. Which is interesting, which maybe speaks to her own independence. It's definitely pushing her away from Rand. But she's oh, yeah. Rand's yep. more than a bit freaked out about this. <laughs> right. Let alone what well, everybody else is going to think is. when they find out. Um, well, they're all watching. Well, I mean, can we talk about that The three second? boys are all Hold watching. On. She brought that up initially right, right off the bat. She's like, I want to have an adventure. You think I haven't thought about this? And so right. she's thinking of it as an adventure yep. right off the bat. And she laughs at the fact that Rand brings up the fact that they're going to have Trollocs after them. Right. She's like, Trollocs? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, you know those things that have been in our town? For um, real, these are going to be coming after me. Yeah. So she actually does think it's an adventure. And I love how oh, we do kind of have an insight because she thinks Rand's full of it. Like yeah. she, she's like, she's like, oh yeah, because they're going to be coming after you. You're so important. They're coming after you. She defaults to believing that boys are braggadocious and, right. and probably exaggerate the truth when it yeah. comes to heroism. I think she does some of her own heroic exaggeration when they're on the road to Terran Ferry. 
because Rand looks over or looks forward at her a couple of times and is constantly amazed by the fact of how thrilled she is looking. I got to believe that some of that bravery is put on because she realizes that she's bought herself into this thing and now she has to seem like she's loving every minute of it. I don't think so, though. No. I I don't know. I think she's... She was on that horse. She's on the high, man. She's riding that adrenaline high. Now, the reality at some given point is going to have to come crashing in where adrenaline's going to die out and reality's going to set in that, yeah, that drag car might bite your head off. Uh, to this point, I feel she's very true to what we're finding out about her. What she's saying is she's excited. She's excited to be channeling. She's excited to be on this adventure. It's not tempered by a lot of realism, which is could be a little frightening as we go along if she keeps going that way. Well, right, because she can start taking risks. Can you? Right. She was on that horse, and I understand what you're saying, that she was she was laughing and she was... Bella, she's riding Bella. ...taking good joy in it, but you do come to understand that she has some sort of power, so yeah. maybe she was giving that power to that horse to make her run faster. Who knows? Well, she, so well, she might she, have been... Yeah, she might have been experiencing she, that. Because that's what remember, she has the power. She was able to she's use very, the power very, very to make a stone it. barely flicker. Right. She's very... Very, very... But, but you're, you're, you're right, Adam. We don't, we don't know. I don't know why you're laughing at that. That's we don't ridiculous. know. It could, it could be. I mean, I think no, that Moraine would be No, said that she made it barely flicker. Sure. She said that would take people months that were born with it with... Right. Like, so, yeah, she's obviously, she's obviously right. stronger than your yeah. average... Right, but she's what still stronger than but, but anything. She said that she could maybe be, become, what was it? The Umberland Seat. The Umberland Seat. The Umberland Seat. Yeah, that's not small. It's not so, small, but it. But that doesn't mean that she's realized any of her power whatsoever. Because what we do know is Ma Rain no, also has said... No, she Ma, doesn't realize Ma Rain it, has also said that she didn't make the turn, it. that she hasn't made the change yet. She's actually sort of out in front of her own development with whatever this is. I'll grant you this, Adam. We know so little. We know so little about this power at this point. Maybe I'll grant you that anything can happen because we know so little about it. I mean, I think that given what she says at the end of the chapter about that little flicker and she's discouraged, it would probably lean towards she didn't do a whole lot. But you never know. The last person is the most obvious one to talk about here, and we've talked about Rand a little bit, but we can really kind of dig in here. Clearly, we're going to talk about Bella. Rand, Rand, (laughs) we are going to talk about Bella, Bella but Rand Rand levels up here big time. We learn a lot about him. We see his sense of action play out a couple of different times here, but Rand is demonstrating some form, some type of ESP. Like he felt the Murdral staring at him in the back of the neck. Mm. He uh, he's the one that notices the drag car when Bella is is running at some crazy pace that she's never run before. He has some weird yeah. prickling thing going on on his body. He's leveling up. He's he. A lot of it is more continuation of the same. I think. We're getting more of glimpses of him being observant. Something's going on with him where he's okay. having this crazy dream, especially because Moraine asks him, have you had any dreams? He's like, what are you talking about dreams? I don't worry about dreams. Whatever. And then whammo, bammo, all of a sudden he's having this crazy Weird. dream. What is all this nonsense going on in this dream? And so he's becoming more and more intriguing to me because what what is up with this kid? He's, he's killed a Trolloc. Yeah. He's carried Tam 
mass distances. He's there's something going on with this guy. And when the Drakkar flies out at them, he discovers that he's got his sword out. Right. Yeah. And he's ready. And he's ready to fight. So oh, right. he has. Just an inherent fighting instinct. Yeah, he's he's ready to go. Which is impressive. He is somewhere between Matt and Egwene and Perrin. You have Matt and Egwene who I think are inherent thrill seekers or venture hunters. I don't even know why Perrin is on this mission. They basically kicked him out of town. (laughs) Right? He He has has an an axe axe to grind. Well, no, he is because he's born in the same. And he's the age. He's the age. He's got to go. But he hasn't said anything other than the fact that he's embarrassed that he's got the axe with him. Rand is somewhere in between those two. Like he was adventurous enough in order to volunteer for the watch that was gonna that's going to continue mm. to patrol Emmons Field. But he also has a ton of heartbreak when he leaves Emmons Field. Right. So he's almost doing this out of a sense of duty as opposed to the sense of adventure that really seems to be driving Matt and uh, DeGuane. When he was falling asleep by his dad's side, it's he had completely forgotten about the sword at his side. The sword did not feel so heavy anymore. Oh no, that's when he was walking with Lan. So like he is, it's totally developing that, and the fact that he is, he's actually turning into some sort of what Lan <laughs> warrior. Like he's, 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 he's becoming like Lan, yeah, some sort of warrior. Yeah. He's a. I mean, if yeah. you, if we, if you want to talk about this in terms of RPGs, I mean, yeah, he's becoming some kind of warrior class. One of the things that struck me the most about these six chapters is the departure between he and his father is so abrupt. It's so fast. He's in the middle of talking to his dad and he gets torn away for, we don't know how long he's leaving town. He's, he's on his way out and that's it. And he barely gets to say goodbye. That's crazy. Especially after oh, everything you, he did to wait. get him to town and get him to heal. Right. And whatever price it is. And then he's got this whole thing of his pay. birth lingering over his head on top of it. So he doesn't even get to talk to him yeah, about that. Yeah, he keeps reiterating, that's, he's my father. Right. Yeah. That's kind of forgotten about. Well, not really. He has a mantra to himself, basically, yeah, where he's that, constantly that, that, trying to reinforce for, the idea that he, you know, that he's this man's son. I guess we're getting the sense of urgency of how yeah, but, important it is that they get out of Dodge. But once he gets out of it and he gets involved in all this, like, horse running, he forgets about his supposed father or whatever Well, right. Well, I guess that goes just to the fight-or-flight syndrome. The most pressing thing at that moment isn't sitting there right. pondering about, who's my daddy? It's more... I gotta stop getting the chance of having my head bitten off by this flying bat, or sinking in a he's ferry, like, he's or like, it's just a, whatever's yeah, like most pressing lighter. need at the moment is is taking over all that other stuff. So he's not. We don't see the time for him to reflect on. Gosh, that sucks. I just walked away from my dad so no, fast. He has no time. Yeah. No, but you know, no at time. some point, it's going to come crashing down. On I would. Him. I would imagine it would. They're told by Moiraine that in one of, or all three, there is something the Dark One fears. <laughs> the evil force in the, in the entire world is afraid of something in these three oh, boys, according to this woman. Right. This is another theme. Okay, so Rand and I think Matt continue to talk about how this adventure doesn't feel like an adventure. Right there, are, there are these references to there must be a difference no, in no, what no. you Matt saw. It seemed Matt. to him that depending on whether you sought adventure or had it forced on you, um, no, Matt doesn't because Matt is like, wait, I don't know. Wait, is it Matt or is it Parent that they start listing off things in adventures? 
He's like, well, Trollocs are... Right. That's in reaction to the fact that they're both commenting on it doesn't feel like an adventure. And then they look at it and said, there are all the elements for adventure here. But all I feel is cold and wet. Yeah, but it, it goes once again to their preconceived notion of things. If this is not the definition of an adventure, I don't right. know what is. Yeah. And that's no, kind of the point of that conversation. Like. The whole go, turning to an I said I thing. They're so stuck in their notions of whatever they've conceived in this in this village that they just can't see beyond it. It's actually interesting because in chapter 12, Rand makes the realization, and this is a quotation directly from the book, Rand decided he had better stop thinking that he knew anything at all of what people were like beyond his own village. He comes yeah. to the realization that the world is much bigger and contains a lot more people in it than he can imagine, and he's also probably imagined certain people to be things that they aren't. Sure. Um, they need to apply that to a that whole happens, lot else other than people, their whole thought process in general. Well, I think it, I think it's, it's, yeah. it is a description of a, of a change in him mentally. It's Rand leveling up. Yeah, but it happens again. at the ferry, that when, when Land talks to him about how he should feel about those people there. Right. And he's like, oh, wow. I didn't think that you would feel that way about it. Right. He's, he's leveling up. I like how he copied Land's stance at the ferry. I was hoping everyone would make fun of him from it, but everyone else is. Oh, he, he's so he conscious about that, but everyone else his, is like doing yeah, the same thing. He puts thing. back his cloak. Well, well, you that's because Land Land pushes back Perrin's cloak. Pretty sweet at the ferry is a uh, is the gleam and just flipping his oh. knives around a knife. Yeah, yeah. like no big deal. I'm like, gonna hey, clean my nails with. My don't knives. mind me. Weird. I got these knives here. Now you see them. Now you don't. Now it's Worry time for the it. "You Got to Know When to Hold Them" segment when we talk about people that have something to hide. So we can we can yeah. dig into the Aes Sedai a little bit here because we've learned. I'm, it's funny because we've learned a lot about them, but we still really don't know who they are, other than they're that there's some ruling political class of people that wield a magic power that everyone is terrified of. So they so they must be incredibly manipulative and I guess you know must physically be, dangerous. People, people's minds they must be. Right. Well, it's well, got to come from somewhere. I mean, people don't you, just... You bring yeah. this up. Apparently, we find out about warders and Aes Sedai. And Lan, Lan what's is brought up, warder. What's, what's brought up is that Ran knows he's heard rumors about these warders and Aes Sedai and the fact that they are tied at the hip, essentially, mm-hmm. Yeah. and that the warder gets benefits for it. So the warder's benefits for it are, what, well, somewhat Lan, eternal Lan, life? Lan talks about that. He gets strength from... Moraine, but he doesn't. He apparently doesn't need it when she's going around healing people because he gets some sort of benefit from her. But the 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 downside is she can't heal herself. So we learn sure, that yeah, a little no, bit. You you hear him talking about that, but mm-hmm. you also hear uh, uh, Rand just talking about what he knows. Right? About yeah, the infamous the infamous like, knowledge yeah. these townspeople have. Yeah, yeah, the knowledge of them and what he is what he says is that he, they like the warders get these benefits from it. And then a little side note after that was, and we don't really understand what the the I said I get from it. Moving well, from, on from the warder, yeah, no. Other than the fact that they the have that? this this super powered battle warrior walking around them all the time, I mean, there's there's obviously a benefit there. So we learn in chapter twelve about the existence of Ajas, whatever yeah. those are, 
And right, I mean, all we know is that there's some sort of societies within Aes Sedai that have their own, you know, purposes. And we learn that the Red's purpose is to prevent the breaking yeah. of the world. And Gleeman doesn't react well to the Red Aja. No, right, right. he does not at all. He's um, got something to hide. Yeah, what's up with him? <laughs> I don't know. There's clearly something there. He just uh, decided to travel along with them. And he can flip a knife like no one's business. No one's business. He can flip a knife like old Sen Bui can jump on top of a hot roof. <laughs> That's what he can do. <laughs> that gag will never end, by the way. Through the conversation between Moiraine and Egwene, the rhyming sisters. Which conversation we, are we referring to? The conversation in chapter 12, the, the most important oh. one. We learn a little bit about Aes Sedai and men who can channel. So we learn that there is the true source and the one power comes mm. from that. And there are okay. two different parts of the one power, a male part, Saidin, and the female part, Saidar. Yeah. And uh, the male part has some sort of oil slick on it created by the dark one which it's got makes it, filth makes it tough to handle I and mean, apparently men who handle it go insane but nobody needs to really worry about that because the only they, it barely happens rand only knows of three instances where we get the sense that there are numerous that there are numerous Aes Sedai walking around so the frequency of this occurrence of the ability to use the one power in men versus women is obviously far less. So you've got, you've got a lot more women. Some women are born with the ability to use it, and, and other women aren't. And oh, then yeah. you have and these different sudden, societies. Egwene, apparently, is just able to do it. She's leveling up. She's special. Yeah. I yeah. think she's leveled up a whole lot. Yeah. Which is really going to drive a wedge between her and the people. She spent all her skill points. Yeah, Rand's points. not happy with it. She put her skill points into magic. And then, obviously, Moiraine is, is sort of our touchstone to, to the Aes Sedai. That woman's got to have a lot of patience. Why do you say that? First of all, she's got to deal with this entire town, who are giving her all sorts of grief. She's got everyone questioning her move. I mean, she probably hears all these things these people are saying about her. I mean... Granted, she's she's probably been doing this for a while. We don't we don't know a ton about her, but you know she's got to no, put up with these all. these country bumpkins, who I'm sure she knows their prejudices. Let's say, um, you know, towards Aes Sedai. I mean, she heard it certainly from the town, but you know these these people aren't furthest from the truth. And then she just goes out and puts the smackdown in this conversation she has, where she reminds these people who they are, where they came from, even though they don't necessarily remember it she's still talking about their history and their lineage and this this speech she gives is like one of my favorite things she's just so powerful in her presentation and you mentioned adam earlier about the weep not for manethrin type thing yeah um, or weep for manethrin i should weep say for them i just love that speech i love how enough is enough like she's just she's gotten past her breaking point and she just kind of yeah. is like, all right, here here's what it is. And she just throws the gauntlet down with these bumpkins. In so many instances, I mean, she's she's taken these people. We don't know what her motivation really is in this other than trying to get these three people away from the Dark One. So far, she's like probably my favorite character. 
they want 100%. That. The speech that she gives is insane, the amount of history that's laid out there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what to think well, about her yet. I have no idea whether she is a force of good or a force of evil. I feel like she could be leading them into a trap. She could be chaotic neutral. She could be, if we're going RPG terms, she could be. I think she, right now, yeah, she, I, you just think of her as neutral, except for the fact that she saved the town, you know, from certain she saved destruction. The town and she has saved them up to this point. She saved Tam. See, part of the problem is we've got the townspeople's prejudice stuck in our heads. She's I said I. She must be bad, even though every example we have seen so far, she saved everyone's butts. She saved Tam. She took the boys out of town, which we don't yeah. necessarily know necessarily at this point what that means. She's right. taking them to Tar Valen, whatever that is. I just have to go with what I'm being presented to this point. Matt's family doesn't like Tar Valen, apparently. No. None of the Emmons fielders do. I don't know 100% what to think about her, but everything I've been given so far, I like a lot. But like she's yeah, also demonstrated a single-minded focus mm-hmm. and a willingness to destroy anything that gets in the way of that. Yeah, she did say something about that that was a little freaky. I mean, she destroys the fairy because well, she, 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 okay, she they don't want the Trollocs following them. Yeah, so I get your point. Clearly, she is bent on doing whatever she needs to do for her purposes, which from what we see are good, but they could be bad. We don't really exactly know. She clearly has a purpose, but she's also incredibly clandestine. We don't know what it is. She won't tell anybody. She only tells people what they absolutely need to know. Right, which goes in line with what those uh, townspeople for sure say about Aes Sedai. Right, and that's why people don't trust them, is if they act like her, then they're these incredibly intelligent people that have a lot of information, but only tell people exactly you know, what they need to know in order to get them to do what the Aes Sedai want them to do. So we've seen her do a couple of things that are, that are new. Uh, she healed Tam. She restored the horse's health. She was going to restore the health of the party before the Drakkar showed up and led them to just jump on their horses and, uh, and run away. She has that angreal of that naked woman mm-hmm. with, the, with the long flowing hair, which she used in order to draw apparently more of the one power in order to rid Tam of the taint. Why did everyone care so much that she sunk the ferry? Like, I don't get it. Those ferrymen were going to yeah. rob them. Agreed, but it's still somebody's personal, it's somebody's personal property that she seemed to destroy. But she paid them for it. She did. She did pay them. And she's done so she's several... she's maliciously doing this She's stuff. done several kindnesses. She is incredibly kind to Rand when Rand is really terrified that he might have blown the whole thing by not mentioning the Murdral mm-hmm. to them. She mentions, you know what, there's no way, even if I had known, that it would have made any difference. So she shows those types of kindnesses, but she's, she's just so close to the vest with, right. uh, with everything that it makes, me, it makes me nervous. Which really, really kind of nicely leads us into our fond farewells here. So we're saying, at least for now, saying goodbye to goodbye. Tam and, uh, and em- Emmons Field. Yo, and ma. we've learned a lot about Emmons Field because of her story of Manetherin. And we've you know, alluded to it a couple of different times. But obviously, the place that these people live has incredible history to it. Rich and, and compelling. <laughs> yes. 
and they have this they have this amazing blood, you know, these amazing genes that they carry around with that them that are wasting. just laying dormant. Right. Yeah, exactly. That are just kind of sitting there with nothing happening. But we've got Egwene. Right. We have Egwene and Rand. We Matt don't know with Rand. We don't know with Rand because Rand from who knows who Rand is. I don't know who Rand is. But the story of Minethrin is really, really interesting to me because... Oh, it's so cool. It parallels the prologue in certain ways because you have Luz Theron and you have Eldrin who level the areas that they're living in and are consumed by the power themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, the difference is we've learned now, I think, that what what Luz Theron did was, uh, was what led to the Age of Madness, which is the breaking of the world. Moiraine, I think in chapter 11, talks to Rand about the breaking of the world follows the Age of Legends. She makes a quick reference to that. So we're starting to get a little bit of history here. Let me just say how impressive Minethrin is. I mean, they were supposed to hold out for three days until help arrived. And they held up for like six and seven. And it just, well, they shouldn't have even been there in the first on place. And no. <laughs> they but weren't they, supposed to get there. But they did. And they held on and they held on until they figured out they were betrayed. And then it was like, how disheartening. I mean, we talk about Tolkien. You know, there's like the, the, the stand in Helm's Deep. Right. They're waiting, Helm's Deep. You know, they're waiting for help to come. They're waiting for help to come. And it doesn't, doesn't come. And then they have to take matters into their own hands. It's kind of like what Manetherin had to do, but on an even longer standpoint. These six chapters begin and end with Rand entering Emmonsfield and Rand departing the two rivers. Yeah, not just Emmonsfield, but the two rivers as a whole. You know, Which, do so, we even know where the boundaries of that is? Have they discussed I, that? It sounds like the Terran is is one of the boundaries of of Emmonsfield. It's mm. it's the I mean the two rivers. It's one. It, it sounds one like it's the, the northernmost river. We have that map. We do, but I don't, we don't know if don't that map think, is for this chapter of, or next chapter. I don't think chapter. it's of Emmons Field. So. Yeah, I don't think it is either. So we bid a fond farewell to Emmons Field, and, uh, and we bid a fond farewell to you. We will tackle another six chapters next week, so we'll go from chapter 13 through chapter 18. So for now, this is the Van Conant Brothers signing off.